0: The Sinus Podcast is brought to you by Alamo Draft House. Coming up next Monday, August thirty first, guys, a premiere of the documentary *Sci-Fi Tonians*. This is um, from director and uh, urban journalist Alejandro Cabrera. He documented the Alamo City Comic Con and the surrounding community to show the underground culture and why it has risen up. Now, I might find myself in this documentary without knowing about it. I don't think the two of you will. Really.
1: <laughs> I was there for a day. Okay. So, um, so I, I'm the, I, I'll am i be the guy wandering around by himself, confused at everything he's seeing.
2: <laughs> like, why is the Hulk green? I don't understand. Why I'm, are there so many Deadpools? <laughs> actually, I've seen the movie already. You guys aren't in it, I'm sorry to say. Um, oh, come on. But I am actually in it by name only. Really? So, mm-hmm. Ooh, now I'm intrigued. Uh, very, very. You should be very intrigued.
0: Anyway, this is uh, on Monday, August 31st at Alamo Drafthouse Park North, 730. The tickets are free, but just like with our uh, Fight Club screening, you have to pay $5 to reserve your seat. And with that, you get a $5 food and beverage voucher. Uh, do go online to Drafthouse.com to reserve your ticket, uh, especially if you're an uh, Alamo City Comic Con fan like uh, we are here. Um, well, I am kiko you just make fun of the nerds right you're like a
2: <laughs> yes i i, I cyber bully them all
1: <laughs> i went last year it was kind of it was it was cool i uh it was uh i saw one panel that i really liked and uh you know i really like the artist area where people were selling some really cool was, artwork
0: was it one of the panels i was hosting
1: it was not this was the voice actor panel that had like uh Robert, or what's what's the guy's name? Rob Rob Paulson. Paulson?
0: I I love Rob Paulson. I've I've hosted two panels that he's done. He's great. uh, He was
1: great.
2: uh,
0: He he did a a Ninja Turtles panel last year because he was in the original cartoon.
2: No, no. Speaking of which, uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Texas will be at the Alamo. Uh, city comic-con this year have, you, have seen, you
0: seen them i have uh they're they're very very good costumes they're kind of based on the movie turtles the original,
2: right yeah i was impressed i saw some footage i haven't seen them in person yet uh or in, tur- or in turtle
0: judith <laughs> in turtle judith Hogue, uh the uh original april o'neill from the first ninja turtles movie
2: right she'll uh, be there
0: she'll be there again she was there last year. she was very very sweet and very very good looking still i gotta say
2: hubba 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 Hubba. Michael Michael Rooker will be there again.
0: We got to get Michael Rooker again. Our Cody. old
2: friend, yeah,
0: old pal Michael Rooker. We're Ron right. Perlman. Ron Perlman. Um, Stan Lee is back, of course.
2: Rick Flair. Whoa, oh, the Nature Boy,
0: Rick Flair. Mm-hmm.
2: The Nature. Boy. Were you
0: a Nature Boy fan?
2: Uh, I wasn't. I was a um, Jake the Snake Roberts fan.
0: Oh, he's still hanging on. Is he? He, <laughs> he he was. He got really sick though. A few, I guess, about a year ago now.
2: Um, yeah, remember. by sick, you mean fat, yeah.
0: No, like he had real health concerns. I, I don't oh. know what it was. But, Kyle, Kiko's just the most insensitive person. <laughs> Were you sad when uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper died, Kiko?
2: Um, I was – well, of course. I mean you have to be sad if you grew up with them. But I, I was sad when Macho Man died and when uh, Mr. Perfect died and, you know.
0: Which one was Mr. Perfect?
2: Um, the guy that did the Perfect Plex, you know, remember? Oh, I don't remember that
0: name at all. That was his, that was his wrestling name was Mr.
2: Perfect. Right. Chris Hennin, Henning, I think. Oh Chris man, Henning? I don't know. I don't remember that one. Oh, okay. Yeah. He was, he was only like one of the most uh, popular wrestlers growing up, but that's dude, cool. if he wasn't, po- he wasn't, he wasn't popular.
0: If I don't know him, cause I wasn't a wrestling <laughs> fan, but I know all the big guys, you know, like Hulk Hogan and,
2: uh... and Mr. Perfect was like, at least, you know, B plus. Come on. No way. Like, a-lister anyway anyway i'm 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 looking at the
1: lineup lineup for alamo city comic-con there's some cool people there yeah joey joey lauren adams
0: oh yeah i think she has a film uh in the alamo city film
1: festival as well um right it's called um rj RJ middy is there john bernthal
0: oh yeah about to be huge with that uh punisher
1: yeah oh yeah with that punisher character Dolph
2: Lundgren's, Dolph Lundgren's Dolph going to be there for the Lundgren uh, <laughs> Jeez, Len, Dolph Lund- Lundgren. Lundgren Lundgren he'll he'll be there for the um film festival portion of the Alamo City Comic Con which is going to be the inaugural uh part film festival um, I'm sure
0: I'm sure he'll be on the floor too cuz he's he has to have a thousand fans there at least from the from the He-Man movie alone Did you ever see that He-Man movie? Kiko Oh yeah. i mm-hmm. I've seen I'm it. I'm sure Cody hasn't seen it cuz Nope. He's such a youngster. I'm it's got a millennial. Cor- it's got Courtney Cox in it. Um, that's really about all it's got going for it. And Dolph Lundgren. Anyway, uh, moving back to the movie Sci-Fi Tonians. That's Monday, August 31st, Alamo Drafthouse Park North, 7.30 p.m. Tickets are free, but you do have to buy a $5 voucher to reserve your seat. You can use for food and beverages. Let's start the show.
1: In a world filled with movie podcasts, Three critics from the juggernaut media market of San Antonio decided to change the entire course of the internet—a feat attempted by many and conquered by many—to produce a relatively listenable podcast. Devastating truth bombs.
0: Brace yourselves, guys. The Muppets are puppets. You know that, right? <laughs> no.
1: Wait. <Okay. laughs> no. They're puppets. Don't ruin it! And <laughs> Muppets are puppets. Gonna- <laughs> hard facts. Yeah, not Kevin Feige or Fig whatever. I but think it's uh, Feige. I think it's Feige. Is it really? I have no idea. <laughs> Asking the important questions.
2: What is that? What, what was that that I just saw right now? It was like a fat Iron Man. That's, that's a
0: Hulkbuster. Hulkbuster armor. That's, that's, that's how, how he fights Iron
2: Man.
1: <laughs> this is the cine Snaw podcast.
0: Pico, did you know? Yes, did you know that we're in the midst of a uh, guitar virtuoso?
2: <laughs> I and, know uh, we got a little uh, sampling, a nice little sampling happening here um, Mr. before Mr. the Cody,
0: show. Mr. Cody Villafagna, Yeah making, pan- making panties wet all over San Antonio <laughs> 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 with, with his acoustic guitar stylings. Um, yeah, why,
2: why don't you? you did, did you not know that he could play the guitar?
0: I had heard him talk about it, but I had never actually heard it. Um, I gotta say, my heart was melting. That's what I, I want to know
2: why he's. I want to know why he's not in the band.
0: Yeah, I was you...
1: when I was younger.
0: <laughs> but what happened?
1: Uh, well, like, you... are we talking about like a high school band? Yeah. Okay. Did y'all ever play any gigs? We did. We played. Uh, we played at uh, Jack's. You know, Jack's patio. Yeah. We played at Jack's once, and we played at the Sanctuary several times.
2: <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Actually, the first gig I ever played, I I un I, I guess I'll tell the story. I don't think I've ever told this story publicly before. Oh. So, um, I was super nervous about um, about playing. Me and it was just me and my friend, and we we were like we just had this acoustic band. It was terrible, uh, and uh, we had never played a show before, but we wanted to start. So uh I knew someone who could hook us up at the sanctuary um and I was like hey do you think we could ever come on stage and just like get used to the surroundings and play by ourselves like on an off night or something and He's like <laughs> yeah definitely come by the come by the place on Tuesday or whatever or next Tuesday And so I'm like awesome so I show up uh to the sanctuary with my friend cuz we're just going to test things out and I get there and there's a line outside the door And I'm like well this is not good uh and um so I go to the back where the bands come in, and there's another band there, and uh, and the band is we're like, hey, what's going on? Are you guys playing tonight? And they're like, yeah, we're we're opening for whatever show this is, but uh, you know they're not letting us in, and we have another show to get to in Austin tonight, so we may have to we may have to leave. I'm like, okay. And so anyway, time passes, time passes, and uh, we're sitting there, and the other band's like, we gotta go, we gotta get to Austin for this other gig, so they left us standing there. Um, and mind you, at this point, me and my friend are like 16, maybe 17. Um, and so finally we get in and, uh, and I realize as we get in there that me and my friend are the direct opening support now for, uh, the comedian, Matt Besser, uh, <laughs> who you, you're hero. Yeah. Who you may know from upright citizens brigade and, and veep. He, no, that's Wait, Matt oh, Walsh. Ah, shit. <laughs> Matt, sorry. Matt Besser was on You remember that show Crossballs uh on oh, on Comedy get, Central?
0: I'm totally I'm totally in the Matt Walsh. I that's who I have pictured.
1: If it would have been Matt Walsh that would have been awesome not to take away from uh from Matt Besser. Was, was wait that that show was called Crossballs, right? Yeah, Crossballs. I I said I don't know. It was like the it was like the Crossfire debate uh um debate show uh spoof. It was I, it was on like 2004 was when it started. I
0: still don't know, but Sure.
1: Okay. So anyway, we get there and I and like we talk to Matt Besser for a while and tell him the situation. And anyway, we played a terrible set, a just terrible set in front of like maybe a hundred. Well, they weren't actually watching us; they were off doing other things. But it was it was a bunch of upright citizens' brigade fans who were there and not happy that a couple of sixteen-year-old kids who didn't know what they were doing were opening for their stand-up comedy. So, uh, so <laughs> what was your band called? We were called Thanks anyway. Oh. <laughs>
0: so you were the guitarist, and what a drummer or what? No, oh, we like, had a, hey. it
1: was just me, my friend, and a drum machine.
0: So what did he? <laughs> what, did you, what did your friend play?
1: Uh, well, here is the funny thing: uh, he, he would play anything. He, he played guitar and he wrote all the songs, and he was going to play guitar and sing. But when we got to the show that night, he realized that he couldn't play and sing at the same time. So, like, he fumbled through a song for like. Like two or three minutes, I'm finally – I had to look at him and go, dude, just forget the guitar. I'll get it. And you, you, we have to start playing something instead of you trying to figure out how this works. Did you uh, figure – did you think like that was going to be – that was like the moment in a movie like where the legend
0: is born? No. You're like, no, uh, I got the guitar, guys. And then all of a sudden you're just a guitar star.
1: No, I was like this is, <laughs> this is a moment that is going to scar me for life. Oh. And it so, kind of did.
0: So you have your guitar ready to go right now? Do I right now? Right this second, because I want to hear some Machine Head again. Oh, okay,
1: are you going Ki- to provide vocals? I'm going to
0: sing, because we were we were prepping for the show. Kiko just said, "Why did you pick Machine Head, Kiko?" By the way, just uh, random. Is um, it random?
2: Yeah, just random. It's like it was an older song that I remember, you know, liking when I was in high school.
0: Yeah, me too. And then, of course, fucking Cody can play it. <laughs> Yeah, which is amazing, by the way. Oh, what yeah, like five when that song came out. Why? Why? Did how how did you know? God, it had to be like 94.
2: Wait, real, real quick, I want to ask. So you would play you wouldn't do covers with this band. You had original music.
1: Yeah. <sighs> What's why
2: so confused? <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't playing weddings. Uh...
0: While Cody's tuning up. Welcome to episode 60. The Cineslop Podcast. I'm Jared Kingery. I'm Cody Viafania.
2: And I'm Kiko Martinez. All
0: right. Now, uh, let's go ahead and let's do this. Let's, right. let's make some... <laughs> let's, uh, let's slicken things up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> ah, shit. Oh. <Aww. laughs> I was... <laughs> Already...
0: Uh. Gonna lose the crowd. It's a sanctuary
2: all over again.
0: i are out. We're out. We're out. Tied
1: to a wheel. You actually went
0: deep. I
1: got the lyrics open here. Oh, shit. I didn't know that.
0: (laughs) Bleeding through a tourniquet smile.
1: (laughs) Why do you sound like you're in the 1920s, Gavin Rosdale?
0: (laughs) Say that. Bleeding through a a tourniquet smile. (laughs) Got a machine head. It's better than the
1: rest.
0: (laughs) I don't think we can afford to play anymore.
2: Yeah, I know. I was like,
0: oh. Oh. So I th- like we talked about before the show, Cody. I think you should just be strumming on the guitar the whole time.
1: <laughs>
0: got any, uh, Kiko? You got any Mike's Heart uh, Cherryade over there?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I got some Zimas. Zimas? some. Uh,
1: I got some. Uh, you what guys want to hear a Thanks Anyway song?
0: Uh, you fucking know we do.
1: Where's the lyrics. Oh, I'm not the lyricist. Uh, well, what's the what's that song called? It's called "Never Be the Same." Mm-mm. So all, all, I, all of it, all of our songs were written by my friend at the time, and uh, they were all like puppy dog love songs about like I was gonna
0: I was gonna ask if it was like Puss Rock.
1: <laughs> no, it was worse than that. It was it was like him singing about like getting butterflies when he <laughs> kissed a. Girl. Oh good lord! <laughs> oh shit!
0: Man. So so uh you've not done not done anything musically since then?
1: Uh occasionally I well I haven't done it in a while but I I did some acoustic stuff with uh one of my dad's friends and then I I sat in for a set when with his cover band every so often at like a random bar. <laughs> Were they like this kid, who's this kid playing guitar? Yeah, that was sort of the idea of it. It was like, know. hey, look at this Make-A-Wish kid. Let's give him a chance to play <laughs> play a song. He's dying. So we of- played like I played covers of like uh, you know my own worst enemy from Lid, and we, oh, we did shit. we did Weezer, Hash Pipe, uh, Everlong.
0: Uh, oh, you must have been in heaven for that. Yeah, uh,
1: that that Kings of Leon song. Um, oh, so this has been recent. Uh, yeah, I mean, re- within the last couple of years. Yeah. Wow. We, so uh, I cool. I mangled uh, Sex on Fire one night. <laughs> I couldn't hear myself coming out of the monitors, and I was I I really messed it up. That, that really was pe- that was terribly embarrassing.
0: Um, what, so like you played acoustically, but you had a monitor? No, this was a mon-
1: this was when I played electric with the cover band.
0: Oh, damn. Yeah. So so yeah. any any projects in the works?
1: Uh, uh yeah, I'm working on this art project uh art rock it's avant-garde um it's i just tried you know strumming the guitar backwards uh,
0: <coughs> like you you dip you you dip the guitar in paint and then when you when you strum it just the paint wherever it flies yeah exactly nice
1: and i just sort of like hit the guitar and try to make weird noises out of it sort of like it sounds like a yoko ono song so
0: how how often did you try to use the guitar to pick up chicks
1: uh not enough I mean, well, like back clearly when, <laughs> back when we, <laughs> back when we had our band, we would like distribute flyers and stuff for our shows, but nobody ever went so uh so you didn't have any input on like the the content
0: of the songs, like the lyrics, you were just no, he was like, yeah, I'm fine with this pussy ass shit.
1: no, well, I mean, when I came into it, he already had the songs written, and like i I wrote like I added some solos to some songs and stuff like that, oh, but... so
0: you walked into like a solo act,
1: yes, oh. Yeah, you're not friends
0: with this dude anymore, huh?
1: No, I haven't seen him in years. But one one time, I remember we had a show. Did, did you guys ever go to the sanctuary?
2: <laughs> no, I, no, I've been there a couple of times.
1: So you know how they had a a backstage, a front stage, and then a side stage, which was just like a room. Right. So there, we went. We had we were in the room stage, and my guitar was not very amplified at the time. Um, it didn't like it's. There's no controls on it, so the volume we were just stuck with whatever volume they had, and so. The volume was barely audible, and there were these. There was a bunch of people sitting down in front of us, and there was this couple in front of us who were like cutesy flirting and laughing with each other, and I could hear them louder than I could hear my own guitar.
0: Were they Were they getting down to the music, like?
1: Were oh, they into it? No they 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 barely even noticed that we were there.
0: Well, at least you got a show out of it, right?
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Like it, they were making out. Like, it did not go well. None of none of my musical career went well.
0: So did you like dress up uh, for this? Like no. you know, put on the affect. No, I mean, not like in a suit, like a weirdo, but <laughs> like any kind of uh, musical affectations, like, like some D-Vo? eyeliner. Well, no, I'm th- like a like a flannel shirt and no. some eyeliner. Or...
1: No, we were just some, we were just high schoolers. We were dumb kids. You're like,
0: hey guys, come see my band. Yeah. God, I would think that, um, well, I don't know.
2: Well, if I knew you back then, I would have gone to see your band, Cody.
1: If you would have known me back then, it would have been weird. <laughs> <Yeah>. That, too. <laughs> I'm going to go watch this 16 year old
0: band, you guys.
1: <laughs> I hear they're the next big thing.
0: <laughs> How old are you, Kiko? I'm 34. <laughs> anyway. All right. Um, well, that was that was nice, Cody. Thanks for playing the yes. guitar for us.
1: Mm-hmm. You guys, not gonna, you're too much.
0: We're not going to sleep with you, but we I don't will. Know,
1: maybe we can start a band.
0: Yeah, what would you, what would, uh, can I sing, like in the 1920s voice? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: and
0: then, Kiko, what are you? What will you play?
2: Uh, well, I don't know. I played the trumpet back in high school. So oh, shit. This is going to have to be.
0: Uh... It could be like a, like an acoustic ska band.
2: There you
1: go. Either that if you're singing in the 20s, I should just learn how to play like ragtime piano.
0: I, I would love to hear some ragtime piano. And you wear, like, the garters on your arms, <laughs> like, <laughs> like you're on a riverboat or something. Just with, like, a bowler hat on.
2: Yeah, I think we're on to something, guys.
0: Let's do it.
1: Uh, but anyway, enough of that. <laughs> Let's go ahead and move. <laughs> enough of our musical career. Such a weird sidetrack. I told, like, a five-minute story about my childhood. Yeah. Enough of this. Let's go ahead and move on to news.
2: It's time for the Real Rundown. Recapping this week in movie news.
0: First up, George Miller, director of Mad Max Fury Road and uh, Academy Award winner for Happy Feet, right? That won an Oscar, right? Uh, did it? Did it? I want to say it did. I'm investigating. Um, also director of Babe, Pig in the City. But of course, you know him from uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, is rumored to be the director of Man of Steel two, a sequel to the Zack Snyder Superman film uh, that was never properly granted a sequel. Uh, they move straight on to Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice. Uh, what do you got, Cody?
1: This seems a little weird, uh, especially considering that uh, DC is going to switch the point of view to making, to like uh, surrounding it with a Batman. A uh, threequel, if you will, or uh, trilogy. Trilogy. It's <laughs>
2: there is a word for that. A Batman trilogy,
1: uh, and especially because they're going to do all those Justice League movies, I don't know when they're going to have time to do this. I, especially well, since he's seventy.
0: Or you, you're thinking, or not, not like where it'll fit in their schedule, but where it'll fit in his life.
1: Well, especially because he's supposed to be doing more Mad Max movies. I, is the Mad Max thing? That that's not guaranteed
0: though, right? Like there's I know that people you know, the fanboys loved it and it be and it slowly became a hit, but it wasn't one of those like guaranteed hit sequel it, things. It, it
1: wasn't, but he had two other scripts, like uh enough story material to make two extra scripts. So um I don't know if they're gonna get another one. I would imagine so, but I don't know. I mean this is just a weird thing, I think, especially given the fact that, you know the I I mean I, I feel like Zack Snyder is so but well, I guess Matt, Matt uh, can't talk. Zack Snyder is doing the Dawn of or the Justice League movies, right?
0: Yeah. Um, and okay. they had never actually announced a Man of Steel two. Yeah. Uh, but it's important to note that George Miller was supposed to direct the Justice League movie like eight years ago. Yeah,
1: that's right. That was the, the thing, one with like Army Hammer in it, right? And uh... yeah,
0: Army Hammer was going to be Batman. Somebody else was going to be Superman. It was a very young cast, uh, from what I remember. And it was supposed to be really bold in that it just jumped in in the middle of everything. Like there wasn't going to be any setup movies. This was before Iron Man even started. Um, and one of the, I guess, one of the strangest things about it at the time was that it was going to run parallel to Nolan's Batman movies. Like they weren't going to be involved. And yet the last Nolan Batman movie wa- hadn't come out yet. So it wasn't going to be. I don't know if it was, if this movie was supposed to come out before or after, uh, The Dark Knight Rises. I imagine it was supposed to come out.
1: Uh, it was uh, the script was submitted before. in two thousand seven, and he signed uh signed on to direct in two thousand seven.
0: Okay, so it was going to definitely hit before, The Dark Knight Rises. So there'd be two different Batman movies, essentially, or two different movie Batmans, Batman,
1: Batman, Batmanses. Uh, is...
0: But I, his. George Miller's street cred has only gone up with Mad Max. You know, nobody really gave a shit about him, frankly, back when that thing was supposed to
1: happen. Oh, my God. Jay Baruchel was going to be the lead villain in that movie.
0: Yeah, that was going to be a very, very weird movie. Adam Brody is the Flash. Yeah. Who was going to be Batman? Army Hammer. Army Hammer. And who was going to be Superman? A guy
1: named DJ Katrona. Oh, uh, I don't know who He that was is. in G.I. Joe Retaliation.
0: Oh, he was in hate, Dear John. I hated GI Joe Retaliation. Did you ever see it with The Rock? I didn't see it.
2: Um, I don't remember that one. It was, was that the second one.
0: Yeah, it was the one that famously got delayed in like a year because they wanted to uh, they wanted to supposedly beef up the special effects. But I think what they really wanted to do was add more Channing Tatum because between the first movie and the second movie is when he got really famous Mm. Um, they still killed him in the first 10 minutes of the movie anyway
2: but oh well i'd rather see uh, uh george miller make a babe part three but i guess we're not gonna get that
0: when was when was pig in the city that had to be like 15 years ago now uh back in 98 oh so yeah more than that 17 years ago uh i i don't i'm i wasn't a big fan of man of steel Uh, I didn't hate it, but I didn't really like it either. I think it would be an interesting take to see what somebody other than Zack Snyder could do with this material.
1: You know, the thing that I find interesting is that the Mad Max movies are known for being, you know, kind of depraved and violent. Um, And I, and I, I just love how the answer to a super violent Man of Steel movie that people say is all destruction and... Superman kills a guy or whatever is to, is to get George Miller, who just made Mad Max, which is like a violent action movie cranked up to ten. Well, I mean, it's not his only style. Well, I mean. it isn't, but when he's doing that sort of action movie, it is. Well,
0: I don't think you would get a Mad Max version of Superman, frankly.
1: Well, I know. I, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It sounds kind of funny. I, I don't. I don't know that. Uh, I mean,
0: George Miller seems like a fine director. I don't know that he's really in his wheelhouse if he's not doing Mad Max. You know,
2: I don't. He won, he won a he won an Oscar when he wasn't in his wheelhouse.
0: Well, that's what I'm saying with Happy Feet, right? Yeah. Did we ever con- did we confirm that? Did we
2: yes. Yeah, he confirmed? did.
0: Well, I mean that but <laughs> winning an animated Oscar is kind of easy. I mean, like by- oh, I like to see you do it then. Huh? Ooh, 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 ooh. I mean. The director gets the award just for the film. You know, it doesn't. You know, he's not a director. I mean, well, he is a director, but he doesn't get it for directing. It, that's a weird Oscar. When you think about it, like, why does the director get the best animated movie Oscar? I
1: thought the producers did.
0: No, it's the director because he got. The, he's not a producer of Happy Feet. Yes, he
2: was. Was he? Yes.
1: Mm. He was one of the producers. I think,
2: that, I think the director gets
0: it. I'm pretty sure the director gets it strictly but i mean his other the other films he's directed other than mad max witches of eastwick um lorenzo's oil lorenzo's oil that's right uh i mean they're not really you know they're different they're not mad max movies just reskinned. and i don't know that any of those i mean witches of eastwick is a i guess a cult favorite right
1: at least, maybe. So the nomination for best uh, animated film goes to the person uh, most involved in in creating the film. So it's either the producer, director, or both. And then it says um, for the seventy six Academy Awards in two thousand and four, only the director received it. And then for the eighty six in twenty fourteen, it was amended to include one producer and up to two directors. Okay,
0: so it's a weird award. In other words.
1: In other words, yes, and George Miller was the only person to receive the award that year.
0: So it's a weird, like, arbitrated award.
1: Yeah. So anyway, anyway, uh,
0: I know that uh, this would make fans happy or fanboys happy. None of us were really that jazzed about Mad Max that we cream ourselves. Yeah, sca- what's
2: with that? What's why? Why weren't we so? Why didn't we jump on board with everybody else? I don't
0: know. I want to. I need to rewatch it. I know it's been released digitally now. I want to rewatch it and see what I missed, if I missed anything. I don't generally like to do that, as we've talked about before. But I feel like if I, if so many people are are praising, kind of like I felt with Birdman, like I, I felt like, like maybe I caught on a on a bad day.
1: I've done that before. I'm thinking for
0: that. Yeah, but then I watched it. I mean, I don't traditionally do that. I don't like to to think like, oh, maybe I should change my opinion. But if I feel like my opinion is so different then I will rewatch it and revisit it. And occasionally it like it's still the same, like with something like Scott Pilgrim. I'm still like, yeah, fuck this movie. But, <laughs> I, don't, uh, I don't agree with that. I know. But I mean, I'm still like... I do, I I'm, do. I'm still like, eh. I, fuck, this movie's probably a little harsh for Scott Pilgrim, but it's more of a like, eh. uh But something like Mad Max was so, so well-received, so widely, you know, not just in, in fan circles, but just in general. And uh, I think maybe I missed something. Uh, maybe
2: you had a bad breakfast that morning.
0: Maybe. Maybe it was a, a, an odd screening, like we got thrown off a little bit, because remember the satellite feed was all interrupted. And Oh, you weren't with us, Kiko. You were in New Braunfels, right? For the yeah, Mad- I went
1: Max. somewhere else for Mad Max, yeah.
0: yeah. Cody and I were out at uh, Draft House Stone Oak, and the satellite feed kind of crapped out. And
1: Yeah, we missed a lot of what was going on.
0: Yeah, all the pre-show hype and and everything.
1: But anyway, uh,
0: I, I'm 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 interested in a different take other than Zack Snyder because I don't think Zack Snyder is that great, um, and he's going to have the reins of a lot of this stuff, at least as far as with you know Batman v Superman and then the Justice League movies. So it might be nice to have another take on it. I don't know that George Miller is the right take, but at least it's something different.
1: Yeah.
0: I, yeah, yeah, neither of you care. I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> super yeah, fucking Superman. I don't know, whatever. More than more than that, I'm surprised they're making a Man of Steel too. By the there's way,
1: good- uh, how awesome was it that um, we have Batman v Superman, and then in the trailer, there's Superman like walking into a courtroom.
0: <laughs> I still want to know what the hell those like soldiers are with Superman, um, like symbols on their shoulders that are like shooting at Batman. I don't even understand what's happening in that trailer. All will be answered soon enough. Oh, speaking of uh, like Superman walking into a courtroom, one of my favorite scenes. Now, Batman Forever is a movie that I don't hate, but it's not very good either. Which one is that? That's the third one. That's the one with Val Kilmer. Who's the Tommy Lee Tommy Jones. Lee Jones? Yeah, okay. So Tommy Lee Jones is playing uh, Harvey Dent, Harvey Dent slash Two Face, and they're they're recounting his origin story because he. I think he's the first villain in the movie series that comes into it fully formed. Like he's already the villain when it starts. So it recounts his origin story, like in a news clip. And, uh, there's, it's like, it looks like it's supposed to be a CNN clip and he's arguing in front of a jury and some criminal, like a criminal in the court grabs a vial of acid and throws it in his face. And he he covers half of his face up with a folder but then the best part of it is that to try to save him Batman is just like jumps from the the crowd in the courtroom like he's just there sitting in the courtroom in full Batman costume and it just cracks me up thinking <laughs> that he's just waiting for like just sitting there waiting to be called on as a witness in full Batman costume like he's
1: like he's doing jury duty
0: <laughs> yeah like or like he's you know like he got a summons to uh you know a subpoena to appear as you know, part of a statement, and he's just like, "All right, gonna we'll wait here, sitting as Batman."
2: Uh, anyway, I haven't seen that in a while, but I like that. I like that idea.
1: Which was <laughs> was that the? Uh, no, that I think that was Batman and Robin. The one, uh, yeah, never mind.
0: Which one? What?
1: The one that had "Kiss from a Rose" on the soundtrack. No, that's Batman Forever. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah, because I had uh, that. I had that soundtrack, or at least the I single.
0: Did, I had the soundtrack too, and there's a, there's a. Uh, I think there's a Method Man song called The Riddler
1: on there. <laughs> oh, Jesus. And it's a
0: rap song. And I, and I almost bought it last record store day. I was at Hogwild Records in San Antonio. And they had the like 12-inch single of that song on vinyl. And I was like, holy fucking shit. The Method Man Riddler song. But it was like 10 bucks, so I didn't want to buy it. So it was like, eh, that's a little too much for something I only like because it's fucking stupid." Yeah. For, right. I, right. But then as fiction. soon as I put it down, some guy was like, "Oh, can I can I take that?" I'm like,
1: "Yeah, sure. Whatever."
0: That movie has some decent moments
1: in it. And he sold it on eBay for millions. Yeah. Fuck. And I'm de- <laughs> destitute up here. I, I like Nicole Kidman in that movie. Who else is that? Is that the one with that's Jim Carrey, right, as the rid- Yeah. 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 Uh, riddle
0: uh, me this? Riddle me that? What were you going to ask, Cody? Was
1: was that the Chris O'Donnell? Was he in that?
0: That's where, okay, yeah. That's where Chris O'Donnell makes his debut as Robin. Okay, that's what I thought.
1: There's some Terrible, terrible.
0: It's not terrible. It's not very good. There's a lot of, I was watching it recently, and there's a lot of boring stretches in it. Like, just long, like, what am I watching? Um, but there's a, like, I love the scene where, uh, They played it in the trailers, I think, where because there's like a weird love triangle between Nicole Kidman's character. She's like a psychiatrist or something. A love triangle between her, Bruce Wayne and Batman, because, of course, she doesn't know who, you know, who Batman is. And there's a scene where Batman like goes into her apartment at her apartment at night. And she talks about how she's uh, like she can't see him anymore because she's in love with somebody else, meaning Bruce Wayne. And then he walks away and, like, you see him smile. Like, it was a funny little moment in a Batman movie.
1: You know, I... <laughs> so I'm such a fucking uh, dork. I've seen so, like, in, in recent years, George Clooney has been so good that I can't imagine him, like, in a really bad... Well, I mean, I can imagine him in a bad movie because I've watched Monuments Men, but, um, <laughs> but I can't imagine him doing, like, a bad performance. I kind of want to rewatch Batman and Robin. I haven't seen it in, since it came out. He's fine. Um, it's just there's just so much bad shit going on around him. I mean,
0: it's just like it's it's so goofy and weird. And like in a bad way, you know, it's, it's like Batman Forever had some sincerity to it, like it tried to be a serious movie, but then Batman and Robin just doesn't give a shit at all. I think the worst thing about that movie is Uma Thurman. Uh, because even even though Arnold Schwarzenegger is Mr. Freeze is stupid it's just so gleefully stupid.
1: I'm looking at the cover of Batman Forever, and Jim Carrey looks ridiculous. He looks like that, uh, what was that guy named? Uh, the guy, uh, Matthew Lesko. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Buy my book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because he's uh, got all the question marks on him.
0: There was oh, a, yeah. <laughs> there was a, um, very recently, and I can't remember it, and I, I wish I could, uh, tell you where I saw it, but there was kind of a, a little oral history of Batman Forever, uh, written i want to say about two or three months ago i read it and it was because it's the 20th anniversary of batman forever this year by the way uh there was a story about how the how jim carrey came to be in it but it didn't really acknowledge that like that year uh the year before that uh when it was cast like that was the year of ace ventura dumb and dumber and the mask so he was fucking huge Mm-hmm. So He was like the biggest movie star of the time in this Batman movie. And I think a lot of people don't remember that.
1: I'm reading that Michael Jackson lobbied hard for the Riddler. The I, the big rumor was always that it was supposed to be Robin
0: Williams. Yeah. Um I don't know. I don't
2: And I heard that uh, of course Tommy Lee Jones didn't like Jim Carrey at all on the on the
0: set. That was a big year. That was right after a big year for Tommy Lee Jones too. Or, well, two years before that is when he won the Oscar for uh, The Fugitive, right? Right. Three. Yeah, it's a, such a strange little moment in time because there was nothing bigger than the Batman movies. And there was no bigger movie star than Jim Carrey. The times they are changing.
1: <laughs> uh, you, you said it, not me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know how it goes. Uh, anyway, I don't know why. We talk, we're talking about what? Oh, George Miller, Mad Max direct man of steel 2 maybe do you think this is something the internet will will to happen like the deadpool movie uh what the what we're just fucking talking about george miller directing oh
1: no i mean i think that uh sorry
0: are you thinking about about your glory days back in uh was it thanks for nothing Thanks anyway. Thanks anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for nothing. Thanks for nothing, motherfucker. (laughs) All right, enough of this. Let's move on to the next topic. Speaking of terrible, terrible movies from the 90s, Nintendo is looking to get back into the movie business. Of course, their last movie was the 1993 epic terrible movie super mario brothers
1: that's the last thing they did really that's the
0: last thing they did i think it's the only thing they did
1: but their characters have appeared in other things
0: yeah but i mean this is the thing that uh you know they were it was their ip as the movie and
1: yes it was their only foray into motion pictures have you seen this movie no kiko have you seen this movie oh
2: yeah i was totally i remember watching it as a kid i was totally disappointed it is fucking
0: crazy weird and terrible Um, but it's so strange how in the nineties or even, even into the two thousands, there was stuff that, you know, was popular, but the filmmakers didn't trust the source material enough. So they would just change it and make it like a, like just something that resembled barely what it was. Cause this turned into like a weird post-apocalyptic, like separate dinosaur dimension thing.
2: I mean, King Koopa wasn't even a a fucking dinosaur. It was fucking Dennis Hopper.
0: (laughs) It was played by Dennis Hopper. Um, John Leguizamo was Luigi. Bob Hoskins was Mario. uh,
2: Rest in peace, Bob Hoskins.
0: Yeah. By the way, uh, there's a great... uh, This movie is available in your $5 bin at Walmart. Or... Uh, from RiffTracks.com, you can download it with commentary for ten bucks. Mm-hmm. It's fucking great hearing them rip you, into this movie.
2: You make it sound like if you find your movie in the five dollar bin, that it sucks. No, Is that what you're trying to
0: say? No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying oh. that uh, that's where I bought my copy of it. Was the five dollar? Oh. <laughs> you know, it's just it's one of those like ubiquitous like you you see it everywhere. Like there must be ten million copies of that thing in print. Just because just so they can sell it for five bucks. So somebody can be like, oh, man, I liked that when I was a kid. And then they watch it now and go, what the fuck? (laughs) I can't believe you haven't seen it, Cody. That seems like a millennial thing.
1: No. What year did it come out? Ninety three. Oh, yeah. It's a little too. Yeah.
0: And it has those terrible like dinosaur animatronic effects like the same year that Jurassic Park came out. It's just it's a terrible, terrible movie. Uh, and it, 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 it was, it was weird to think, like, why was this, why did they think this was going to work?
1: But, yeah. It, but, it, you know, uh, it looks like Nintendo is trying to kind of creep back into, into the movie world and, and try to figure out what they can do. I guess they're tired of, uh, um, people fucking it up. Well, yeah, I guess so. I mean, um, you know, they didn't do anything with Donkey Kong and Pixels and, uh, there, there have been literally zero good video game movies.
0: like like I, I was reading an article about this the other day. The only the highest rated one on Rotten Tomatoes is Prince of Persia. Oh my God. wow. <laughs> and even that is like, ugh. but I, I I was thinking back to video games because I was writing the review for Hitman Agent 47, which was also based on a terrible on a video game and is terrible. Uh, there's just nothing. That's come out like I remember sort of liking the Mortal Kombat movie when I was in high school, but I wouldn't call it a good
1: movie. It's like a crappy B movie. But there's been so much stuff. The highest rated one I'm seeing is Final Fantasy The Spirits Within at 44% on Rotten Tomatoes.
0: Oh, maybe it's maybe it's changed since the article.
1: Everything else is below that, which is I, crazy. Yeah, that was uh
0: that was the one that was like the first photorealistic CGI movie, if I remember correctly.
1: Oh yeah, I remember that.
0: Uh, and it didn't. it's doesn't look that good anymore.
1: This is actually kind of an interesting uh, phenomenon. I didn't. I didn't realize this.
0: That there were no good video game movies. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So what? What
2: do they want to do? What? What? What is, does does the article say anything about what? What? Uh, you know stories or whatever games they want to take and do something with them
1: no um no there there isn't uh i know that netflix wanted to do a legend of zelda tv series
0: yeah that was a rumor that that floated around a few months ago that seems probably the most ripe for some sort of film interpretation i guess because it's such a rich world on its own
1: you know i think and hasn't there been a long gestating uh halo uh movie not oh, speaking of video games. Yeah, Peter Jackson was supposed to direct that. Well, years and then ago. Neil Blomkamp was attached to it for a while.
0: Yeah, and then I think he's spent all of his Hollywood. And, and credit.
1: Then didn't wasn't Spielberg attached to it too? I don't know about that, uh, but it, Spielberg is doing the Ready Player One. Oh, he was uh, Spielberg was doing the uh, Halo TV show.
0: Okay, Spielberg is doing a Ready Player One, which is very very video game heavy. Uh, but not
2: based on a video game.
0: Right. I think that's kind of the thing is that there's been some, I don't want to call it success, but uh, you get something like Wreck-It Ralph, who was right. was an original story that had, you know, video game stuff on the edges, like real life stuff, which Wreck-It Ralph is a movie I love, but it's not because of, you know, you know not because Zangief is in it. I don't. I don't know that anything is built at this point to carry a you know a plot line like that. I'm just waiting for the Crash Bandicoot movie. <laughs> now, I used to play the shit out of some Crash Team Racing.
1: I played Crash Bandicoot. Do you remember the the uh, the game Rayman? Yes. I played the hell out of Rayman, and then also Sonic the Hedgehog.
0: I the last gasp of me playing the shit out of a video game was the combination of GoldenEye.
1: Oh, Goldeneye, god oh. damn, that was a great game.
0: And uh it's spiritual sequel Perfect Dark.
1: I didn't play that, but I, I played the hell out of Goldeneye.
0: We still my friends and I still play Goldeneye when we get together. Um usually for someone's bachelor party. Like we'll throw some drunken Goldeneye into the mix. Isn't
1: it weird how like how much that game like resonates and holds up? It's just so awesome. <laughs> and then
0: and the thing about it is on topic here is it's a movie game and those are notoriously terrible too. Yeah. Like there's, I, there's no other video game that I can think of. that's based on a movie that would get anywhere near the praise. Something like GoldenEye 64 does. And I don't know what it is. I guess it's just gameplay. Cause I, I mean, I like the movie golden fine. I mean, it's not, you know, it's the best of the, uh, pierce brosnan star
1: wars had some good games
0: yeah that's true star wars has uh i will say that but nothing i think nothing is the cultural touchstone that that golden eye is
1: yeah
2: but uh i mean have you did you ever play golden eye kiko i i remember like my cousins playing it. i don't really remember where i stopped Caring about video games it was, as it was, a
0: kid? It was like 2000 when I stopped. So I wasn't really a kid, but like Nintendo 64 was my last real.
1: So I don't mean to interrupt here, but uh, oh. I, I was looking up video games based on movies. And apparently <laughs> there was a Game Boy Color Little Nicky game.
0: Wow. I, I need to find
1: that. That is the craziest thing I've ever heard in I my life. I need to
0: find that ROM. I'm going to find that ROM tonight after we're done with the show. And Oh, my God. Download it to my...
1: Why? Why would they even make that?
0: Well, do you remember that movie uh, um, with Antonio Banderas and Lucy Liu, Ballistic X vs. Sever?
2: Yes. Um, yes. That
0: was based on a Game Boy game. Like, that started life as a Game Boy game and then became a movie. Which, at the time, Game Boy games were really simplistic and stupid.
1: Man, there's a lot Uh, of weird movies that were made into games. I I have a Wayne's World game uh,
0: from, like, 1992 for the Super Nintendo. Uh, What's the weirdest one other than that?
1: There was a Reservoir Dogs game. (laughs) That's kind of weird. Uh, Let's see. Um, A Reign of Fire game.
0: Oh, I could see that. Dra- fighting dragons, yeah.
1: The Princess Bride. Whoa, I didn't know that. That, that must have been
0: like a computer game.
1: It was, a, yeah, it was a computer game. Uh, doing a quick check here for more good stuff. Uh, heat?
0: No way. Yep, they made a that Heat had, video game. That had to be a computer game, also. I don't remember that at all.
1: It was for PS3 and Xbox 360.
0: Oh, so it was a late in the game. Uh,
1: oh, okay, it says it's, it's, not, it's not based on the movie Heat, but it treads the same. God damn it. Sorry, I didn't read that far. The Italian Job had two video games.
0: Well, yeah, I, I, this later stuff I can see, you know, like the stuff from, like, 1999 and
1: on. What about the Lawnmower Man?
0: <laughs> well, that was all virtual reality, virtual reality,
1: so. That was a Sega game.
0: <sighs> There's so many bad ones. A Mean
1: Girls DS game? I can see that. Really, a mean girl's game?
0: Yeah, because the DS at that time was marketed a lot, a lot towards uh, girls because they had like some puppy game and shit. Um, you know, you had to like take care of a puppy and stuff.
1: The Crow, City of Angels, PlayStation game.
0: Oh, I can totally see that. I fucking hate that movie, but yeah, I can see it. Mm. Most of these, I can see. I can see it happening. Regardless uh nintendo uh gonna start making movies again uh, did you ever see the wizard Fred Savage? uh
2: yeah yeah i did
0: that's basically a nintendo commercial right uh that features nintendo games but it's not a nintendo movie
2: what uh, is the final um when they do the final uh competition at the end what game do they play is Super it mario brothers three right
0: that was like its world premiere was that movie
2: that was kinda cool when that
0: happened. I, I still love it's a terrible, terrible movie, but yeah. I love that uh it's Christian Slater and Bo Bridges play his dad and his older brother, and they're like riding around and like Christian Slater's carrying around a Nintendo with him and he'll just hook it up at whatever hotel they're at. Like it like <laughs> that was something people actually did. Yeah. <laughs> um what's
1: your favorite video game, Cody? Quick. Ever? Yeah. God, I don't, I don't know. Because I, I stopped playing video games as, like, a young kid. Well, not a young kid, like a an adolescent. And then I started playing, like, Madden and stuff when I got older. So Madden is probably the one that I've played the most as an adult or as an older person. Um, but back then, I played a lot of, like I said, those three games of Rayman, Crash Bandicoot, and uh, Sonic.
0: Did you ever... Um, is it ever weird to you, either of you, that... that- People are going to be old men playing video games now. Like since so there's going to be old men playing old video games? Since, yeah. since, like, Kiko, basically your, your generation and my generation, well, our generation, grew up with video games. And, like, we're never going to not play video games. I mean, I, like, you and me are. But I've often thought be...
1: about that. Like, like am I right. going to be an old man listening to metal music still? And I think I will be. Yeah. Which is it's so weird. weird. But it's weird, like, because, like, my dad
0: would play. I remember we we had our Nintendo when I was a kid and my dad would play Duck Hunt and stuff. That was it. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like he was playing Super, Super Mario Brothers. But now, like, you know. There's, you know, there's guys older than me that are, you know, that's what they spend their time doing is playing Xbox. Like, the, there's mm-hmm. there's a whole shitload of guys at work. That's all they talk about. is Like, they go home and they play video games. Yeah. And they're older than I am. Uh I, just, I don't
2: see. I don't see how people can. I tell my wife all that, that all the time that she should be lucky that I'm not somebody who comes home and plays <laughs> video games for five straight hours or whatever. Yeah,
0: I I, tr- I think about it sometimes. Like I'd like to buy one of, a new system or something. I think what happened to me was I made the wrong choice back in uh, two thousand and one because I was always a Nintendo guy and I love my Nintendo sixty four, but I bought a GameCube.
1: Oh no! So. Yeah. Is, is, is that better or worse than buying a Dreamcast?
0: <laughs> Dreamcast has a weird cult following. Oh, does it? And if and if you, Yeah, and if you had a Dreamcast back then, you were ahead of your time. Or you were, you were like a, in a select group. But buying a GameCube was just a mistake.
1: Like, I, remember was, the, uh, I can't remember what console it was, but I think it was a Nintendo 6. What came out first, the PlayStation or the Nintendo 64?
0: PlayStation by a year.
1: Okay, so it must have been the Nintendo 64. One time I went with my mom to Bingo. She was playing bingo and she was like, and we, at that time me and my brother really wanted a Nintendo 64. And my mom was like, whatever, if I win bingo, I'll buy you a Nintendo 64. And she, she freaking won bingo that night. <laughs>
0: well, I, my brother got to do, <laughs> uh, you know, the, like the toy grabs. Yeah. Like this, you know, where you go grab at his the Spurs game. Shoes. It was at the Spurs game. Exactly. Really? Uh, he must've been, this must've been like 1998 or 1999. Uh, And I got to be his coach. My brother's uh, about 12 years younger than I am. So I got to be his coach on the floor with him. So uh, what they did is they had one kid at each corner, so four kids. And they dump a pile of toys out in the middle of the court. And you have, I don't know, 30 seconds to run. You go only grab one thing at a time and run it back to your corner. So... We already had a Nintendo sixty four because I, I think I was still I was still living at home at the time, and uh, I just go, he runs and I go get the Nintendo, <laughs> and that's the first thing he grabbed was a Nintendo sixty four. <laughs> uh, but that was back when there was still like good competition, like a PlayStation or or a Nintendo sixty four. Either one was a solid choice.
1: Yeah, and uh, then my play- my parents later uh, played another trick on me and my brother where um one time one christmas um they uh we unwrapped something and it was a playstation 2 box and we freaked out and we opened it up and, and there were clothes in it oh <laughs> and then and then they let us sit in it for a little while until they took the actual playstation out oh uh, so they bought it, how did they get another box of a playstation
0: well they just took they it out of-
1: they just they just pulled it out of wherever they had it hiding like they just oh, emptied the box
2: out and filled it with clothes. Yeah, uh, PlayStation, you know, uh, and that didn't connect with your brain. No,
1: I was like nine.
0: <laughs> you know, uh, PlayStation, PlayStation Two and PlayStation Three are both credited with uh, the like the widespread acceptance of stuff like DVD and uh, Blu-ray. Right, yeah, like my my friend uh, out in L.A. used to work for a DVD like testing lab, and their benchmark for Blu-rays. Oh, uh, their benchmark for DVDs at first was the PlayStation 2. Like if everything worked on a PlayStation 2, they were good to go. And then Blu-ray, it was it was a uh, PlayStation 3.
1: Yeah, I've been using a PlayStation 3 as my primary Blu-ray player for years now. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, dumbass me bought a GameCube. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. A GameCube.
0: Yeah. I don't even like like maybe one of the games. I do oh, you have a, still
2: have it. You still have the GameCube.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, it's I don't know where. It's put away somewhere. I, don't know I have a Wii. where my old
1: consoles are.
0: I, I have all of them. I used to have them all hooked up. I, since I moved, I haven't hooked them back up. I, but have, I, have a,
1: I love Sega.
0: Oh, yeah. So do I. <clears throat> uh, I do have a Wii, though. And there were some Wii games that I liked. Um, there's a game called New Super Mario Brothers. And it's basically Super Mario Brothers. You can play with two players at a time. But don't ever do that unless you don't mind hating the um, person you're playing with because you can totally fuck the other person up while you're playing. <laughs> um,
1: did Did you ever do that in GoldenEye where you would, like, kill your teammate? We never played teams. We oh, always really? Played,
0: we would always play our, – our go-to method was uh, uh, license to kill uh, with um, – you know, license to kill was how it went. I – I wasn't a big fan of license to kill because it made things too easy for shittier players. Cause I was a pretty good player for a while there. Uh, you know, cause you would, you know, to, to make a, a, a quick kill shot, you'd have to hit the head, you know, but if you were playing license to kill, you're like, Oh, you shot my fucking shoe. And now I'm dead.
1: Man, we've went down such a weird path.
0: I know this has gone on for way too long. All right, let's go ahead and move on to Reviews.
1: Here are this week's reviews.
0: First up, we have American Ultra. I just wanted to say that uh, that I love you. Kill him, please. This this will all be over soonish. Stoner, who is in fact a government agent, is marked as a liability and targeted for extermination. But he's too well-trained and too high for them to handle. I didn't see this one. The two of you did. So, Cody, why don't you tell us about American Ultra?
2: <sighs> Can you believe – I mean, before you jump in, it's a, this thing is at 45%. That's way, way too high for Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. I don't know how you feel about that, Cody, but
1: – It's way um, too
2: high. We both
1: – we both hated this movie. Yeah, this is uh easily one of the worst things that's come out this year. Um just like just like a uh an objectively bad movie. Um you know, it, the, the weirdest thing about it is that from the get-go the tone is so freaking weird like it's it starts out really slow uh the humor is not does not work at all like not even one iota. Um and it's just sort of, it's just like sleepwalks. It's, you know, Kiko and I were talking uh, after the movie, and I think Kiko said that it's, it's at like a three, the whole movie. Like, it never cranks up, it never, uh, I mean, you hear in that clip a lot of violence, but it's mindless violence. It's pointless, and it's over the top. Um, uh, you know, there's some really terrible performances here. Topher Grace is really bad as a bad guy. He, it just doesn't work for him. Um, and And like Walton Goggins... Uh, is so, so bad. I love Walton Goggins. Did you ever watch Justified? I watched like the first three seasons and he's fantastic in it. He's great. I fucking
0: love him in that. But everything I've seen him in otherwise, like in movie roles, he's been terrible. Like he was in, speaking of G.I. Joe Retaliation, he was in that as like the jailer who was holding Cobra Commander. and, And so he had to say stupid shit like, oh, Cobra Commander and Snake Eyes are here. Like it just sounded so fucking stupid. Yeah. He I mean, was terrible.
1: Here he plays a character called the Laugher, And <laughs> he basically has giant teeth and he just laughs. Like he's like I mean he's basically like I wrote in my review he feels like a an, an interpretation of the Joker for like an asylum movie, like a straight to video. <laughs> like it's it's that bad. Um you know, like I said the humor doesn't uh doesn't land at all and actually the the story is just so convoluted and and confusing. I mean, you know, the idea behind it is that he's a sleeper agent in the CIA and he's awoken or he's they, – they wake him up uh, and suddenly he has these powers that that give him the ability to kill people. And, you know, it's sort of like that origin story superhero stuff where someone realizes that they have these abilities that they have no idea where it came from. And, so this
0: is like, like Jason Bourne?
2: Yeah, it's like a Jason Bourne type film yeah. where, you know, uh, he just goes through, you know – killing bad guys one by one to try to you know not be killed himself um it's pretty over the top stuff i didn't believe uh jesse eisenberg in it for one bit um i mean it's nice to see him kind of get out of that you know pigeonholed geeky type role he always plays but at the same time i he still played this in the first half of the movie and then all of a sudden he switches gears and tries to go for this action hero person and uh, it just doesn't work for him. So,
1: Yeah, and I think that, uh, like I said, the story becomes convoluted and you start to wonder, like, wait a minute, who's, what's their motives? Why are they doing this? Shouldn't she know this? Shouldn't, you know, every, every twist that comes with it is just pointless. And uh, and like I said, the humor doesn't land. It's You know, a lot of the humor comes from or is supposed to come from Jesse Eisenberg's character being completely paranoid. Um, and some of it is drug-induced, some of it is just him being neurotic. And it just doesn't work. I mean... Kiko said that it's a little different from his other roles. I actually found it to be kind of like a a uh, a, he was reverting to some old tendencies of just being this neurotic kind of scared at a bunch of stuff guy. Um, And I just it just there's nothing there's not a single thing about this movie that's done well. Um, Not even the reunion between Jesse Eisenberg and case do. Yeah, not even (laughs) not even that.
2: Uh, Man, I love Adventureland. I, I think Adventureland's a really underappreciated movie. Um, it is. Not many people saw it, yeah. and uh, to see you know them coming together on something like this, I I, I was disappointed really. I think it's especially and,
1: disappointed uh, disappointing because uh, Kristen Stewart's been putting out some really good performances lately. I mean, uh, she was in a movie I didn't like. She was great in Clouds of Sils Maria, and uh, and I really liked her in Camp X Ray. Um, And so it was. It was sort of disappointing to see her again revert back to kind of this bland character that she played. Um, And you know, I think a lot of the fault goes to a guy who likes to run his mouth, um, in Max Landis, who wrote the movie. Um, You know, he's been pushing hard for Josh Trank lately, and he has an opinion on everything. And um, you know, it's just his his script is bad. It's a bad script. It's 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 not funny. It takes forever to get started. It's got no payoff uh you know it's confusing it's it's muddy uh it
2: reminded me of I, I mean it really
1: like the first 30 minutes i kept on thinking like this this is
2: they're trying to be like another burn after reading the coen brothers uh another underappreciated movie uh that happened a few years ago because um, of the whole government conspiracy this like darkness but at the same time they're trying to make it like uh darkly humorous i guess and it, yeah none of that none of that really came across the in in a a believable way uh it almost feels like a parody and i guess maybe that's the point like even like goggins's character i don't know if that was supposed to be taken serious i don't i'm not really sure it it just felt wrong in a lot of different ways
1: well if it was i don't don't know if if it was trying to be serious it failed and if it was trying to be ironic or funny it failed so no matter what it just didn't work on any level right Right.
2: So um, yeah, no, this is pretty bad. I, I I was bored through the whole thing. Again, it just started like, like Cody said, we I, I, it just never moves up. I moves up or down. There's no kind of like change in like anything in the movie. It just kind of just it's plateaus from right from the beginning. So um, yeah, I don't know if I've seen something as bad this year as this. <laughs> when we're talking about like, you know. Things that people are like high love high high A list actors that, that 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 star in a movie like this, and it comes out this crappy. So, uh, well, Max Landis, shut your face! Shut your face! <laughs> All right, what are your grades, guys?
1: Uh, it's a D for me. Um, and it's sort of I, I'm, I'm looking, I'm doing a brief look over the movies I've seen this year. I think the only thing I can say that was worse than this movie was either Entourage or uh. Or Mordecai. I think everything else I've Ooh. seen has been worse. Or, Those are I mean has <laughs> been better.
0: Those are two big stinking turds.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you know uh, I'm at i I'm at a D as well. Um I, I don't have my list of movies up that I've seen, but it definitely is one of the top five worst movies I've seen this year.
0: I, I went out the other day to the store I think wearing the Mordecai T shirt you gave me, Kiko. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't know why. He's just like I should wear this.
1: I wonder what did people they, thought of you. I don't know.
0: Probably like, like, I always
2: wear bad movie T-shirts all the time. Like, this guy gets
0: it. This guy gets it.
2: It's a good thing they don't know you're a
1: critic when they look at you because they'd be
0: like,
2: no, what the
1: hell is wrong with this guy?
0: I'm in fucking Austin, so they're like, oh, it's ironic.
1: Oh, yeah, you're a hipster. So I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, you remember like, people
2: point, like I'll be wearing, like a I don't know, I can't think of a shirt off the top of my head, but I'll be, I'll be wearing a bad movie shirt and they'll be like, oh, did you see that movie? Oh uh, yeah, was it good? No, and they just look at me. Why the fuck are you wearing the shirt, then?
1: So I guess I, I guess for for Jared, it's like someone comes up to him and and be like, yeah, man, that movie's really misunderstood. <laughs> you know what? I <laughs> I wear
0: a lot of like funny t-shirts and like pop culture mashup t-shirts and stuff, and I'm always getting guys coming up to me telling me that they like my shirt. I mean, maybe they're all hitting on me. I don't know. Um
2: but you never have girls doing the same thing.
0: It's never a girl; it's always a guy. Um, you know that, it's,
2: might, that, that might be saying something about you, then, that you keep wearing them. I mean, I don't care. Attention's attention.
0: <laughs> but I mean, it's all—it's I mean—it's always guys. It's always guys that are telling me, "Hey, a nice shirt." Yeah, I mean, oh, thanks. I'd like to see you out of it. <laughs> I'd like to see it crumpled up on my floor. <laughs> all right. Thanks again. It's flattering, really. All right, that's enough of this one. Let's go ahead and move on to our last movie, The End of the Tour. Can you do me a favor? Yes.
2: Can you tell me about that poster over there? Alanis? Yeah.
1: I don't know. I guess I'm susceptible like everybody else. What?
2: I mean, she's pretty, all right, but it is, like she is pretty. the only
1: thing in there. She's pretty in a very sloppy, very human way. Huh. You know, she's got this like squeaky, orgasmic quality to her voice. Here's what it is. A lot of women
0: in magazines are pretty in a way that is not erotic because they don't look like anybody that you know.
2: (laughs) That's true. Yeah,
0: like, you can't imagine them putting a quarter in a parking meter or, like, eating a bologna sandwich, whereas... Alanis Morissette, I can and have imagined her like chowing down on a bologna sandwich. <laughs> I find her absolutely riveting. This is the story of the five day interview between Rolling Stone reporter David Lipsky and acclaimed novelist David Foster Wallace, which took place right after the 1996 publication of Wallace's groundbreaking epic novel, Infinite Jest. We've all seen this one. Kiko, why don't
2: you start? Well, speaking of uh Jesse Eisenberg, he's having a pretty incredible week i think uh now is the, he they, having you know, the best week ever <laughs> oh yeah man ah, the, uh, paul f Tompkins. <laughs> now the great thing House about Spark, this is man. That,
1: it's i like paul f Tompkins. oh it's,
2: oh. Well, it's
1: on, the on, on the opposite of
2: it's on the opposite end of the spectrum when it comes to uh what we just talked about uh so terrible in american ultra but so very good in the end of the tour um i was in a uh, big follower of uh j uh david foster wallace i've never read any of his books but i've read stuff about him and what kind of person he was so to be able to kind of like get into his head a little bit and uh you know see this kind of back and forth between these two uh very very compelling characters was was awesome for me um it's just really well written i thought the, the film was just a great script um and it's one of those uh non type biopics that doesn't start from like, or doesn't try to tell the the, the whole life story. I really like when they kind of take just a little slice of a specific person's life and just focus on that. Uh, in this case, it was a five day uh, road trip slash uh, interview with uh, this uh, Rolling Stone, um, this Rolling Stone reporter played by Jesse Eisenberg. And um, uh, again, Jesse Eisenberg's great in this, but uh, who really should get the credit is Jason Siegel. Um, he just uh, really, really puts puts out a probably what, is, what I would consider the best performance of his career. Uh, so far, I don't know how you guys feel about that. But, uh, you know, you see somebody that is such a good uh, comedic actor, uh, turn a performance in like this. Um, I, I'm not sure if it'll get any recognition at the end of the year, but um, he, he does a really great job with it. I, I, I really felt like uh, I kind of knew uh, where Foster Wallace was coming from and uh, – so yeah, I thought he did a great job and uh, um just the back and forth and the uh, awkwardness of these two characters in the same room for, you know, 99% of the movie was uh was a really uh, compelling for me. So uh I really enjoyed this. I don't know. What about you guys?
1: Uh, you know, going back to what you had said, you know, my only experience with David Foster Wallace was trying to read Infinite Just once and giving up <laughs> early on. <laughs> Uh, and you know, Jared and I were sort of talking about this the other day because I was reading an interview or a piece of an interview with Jason Siegel. And, you know, when he got the role, he, he went up to the counter to buy a copy of Infinite Jest and it said, uh, and he said that the, the woman who was the cashier rolled her eyes and said that every guy she ever dated had an unread copy of it on their bookshelf, which is is the most accurate thing ever, because it's sort of like, it's kind of like the defining book for guys in their twenties. Like that's sort of like the 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 uh the audience for that book as i've been told and uh i'm i'm going to try to read it again here soon but um you better know better hurry I, before you turn 30 i know
2: i know and then it's not yeah, but yeah you I, don't have
1: the patience for that shit anymore <laughs> like me yeah like i could read kurt vonnegut when i was 27 like yeah but
0: now i'm like oh god
1: <laughs> well i mean this book is is you know widely considered to be one of the greatest pieces of modern fiction there is maybe the best book written in the past you know 50 years or whatever. Um, So it's very highly regarded, and, and you know, uh, and this isn't a spoiler because you find it out very early on, but David Foster Wallace uh, committed suicide, um, I guess, about a decade ago. Uh, 2008. Okay, yeah. So, uh, you know, he was a very troubled, very depressed person, so... Um, this sort of gets into the psyche of of Wallace, who is kind of a um a closed off kind of guy and and it you know it's it's it 's about this Rolling Stone article where this guy just kind of chipped away and chipped away and kind of got him to reveal himself um you know it 's no surprise to me that the guy who wrote this movie is a playwright because this movie very much is structured and in and, and presented like a play it's it's very dialogue driven Um, it's, it's, I mean, that's really all there is in it is just dialogue and it's the conversation and back and forth between these two guys who are sort of, you know, they're both feeling each other out, you know, they're both unsure to reveal too much. And that's kind of what I love because, you know, in the, in the parts, Siegel's character of, of Wallace kind of gets at Jesse Eisenberg's character and he has to back off a little bit so he doesn't reveal too much about himself. And it's sort of this like chess match that they're playing and, uh, between two obviously smart guys and, and, um, you know if you if you read about wallace he kind of spoke in prose and and uh you know the writing is so phenomenal and i'm not sure how much of it is the writing and how much of it is you know transcripts from the actual conversation that happened between these two um you know like kiko said uh the jason siegel is phenomenal in this film uh he's 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 so good and he and he sort of cultivates this really great character and and gives uh wallace this kind of uh this kind of unsuredness that, that, that really kind of comes through. You know, this ability, like, this guy's almost embarrassed at his success at times and, uh, and, and you know, feeling like he's going to let someone down. And, and it's a very vulnerable character. And the great thing about it is that the, the vulnerability sort of takes a little while to get out of him. And just to see the development over this span and, you know, as they get more tired, he gets more revealing. And, and uh, you know, it's it's easy to... to it's, it's almost structured at times like this, like a buddy road trip movie, but... Um, but with a little bit more depth and a little bit more philosophical and, and, uh, it's just really great. I, I really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah. I, I agree about, uh, for first and foremost about Siegel. I think there, this is his best performance, obviously his best performance of his career, but I think there were shades of stuff like this in, uh, forgetting Sarah Marshall, just sort of the, um, the kind of like gentle guy going through life, Yeah, you know, um, you know, with all this stuff kind of happening to him, um, you know, not that it's the same, you know, this is a, obviously a much deeper for performance, a much more, uh, well, serious performance. Cause that was obviously a comedy and you saw his dick and stuff, but uh, I, I'm kind of curious now. Cause I don't really know much, much more about Wallace than, than just the, the, you know, the postmodern, you know, King that he is. Um, I'm, I'm curious as, As to how accurate this portrayal is, though, Uh, because I think you were saying, Cody, before we started the show, you were reading an interview where he would tailor himself or reading an article where he would tailor himself for specific interviews.
1: Yeah. Basically, the gist of, you know, the beginning, I think it was the beginning of because I I, I started I I thumbed through uh, the actual book that this movie is based on. And I believe I was reading that that he would sort of like. You know, so there's a lot of a lot of talk about the book tour, like getting him laid in the movie, and I guess that you know he didn't really feel that way, but he he knew he was talking to Rolling Stone, so he tried to you know be Rolling Stone and what they wanted yeah. to hear. Yeah, and the clip we
0: play, he's talking about Alanis Morissette. Yeah. You know, uh, how, what he would you know how he could use himself, use his fame to to meet Alanis Morissette, and it doesn't really seem like something he would do. I mean, the movie the movie goes out of its way to portray him as. A normal guy, but the stuff spilled out of him,
1: yeah
2: you know this, right. uh, this well go ahead, his family isn't happy with this movie at all, and yeah, some of his friends so um but I mean, who knows i mean I'm sure if, if he was that kind of person and, and gave a different personality depending on who he's talking to i mean that's
1: but you also I mean, have to remember too that and I, again, I would know more if I read this, but this is allegedly based off of the actual transcripts. From that thing. So I know that, I mean, just even reading a couple of the first pages, I mean, some of the dialogue is directly lifted from the book. So. No,
0: I mean, I, I totally buy that it's that it's authentic uh, to that event. I just wonder how authentic it is to his actual life. Um, you know, I don't want to call into question something that I don't know anything about, but it just the he seems a, a little more enigmatic. In in other interviews that I've heard, I saw this at Alamo Drafthouse here in Austin, and before the movie, they're playing an audio interview that he he did about uh, you know about playing tennis because uh, the big plot line of uh, in case you don't know of Infinite Jest is a like a tennis championship. Yeah, it's actually sponsored by Waterburger. Is it that's why that's why there's some that's what all the Waterburger logos in the movie are are referencing. Uh, did you notice that? No. The, no, I didn't. The when he sends there's like on his refrigerator there's Waterburger magnets. Really? Um uh, yeah, and the note when he sent well at the end of the film when when they correspond uh when Wallace corresponds with Lipsky, the little note he sends is is written on Waterburger like a Waterburger post it. Wow. You didn't notice that? No. I
2: did not notice oh. that at all.
0: Yeah, no, it's um I mean, I assume it's just the movie. It's just in there, the movie as a reference. You know, it doesn't mean anything in the movie. It, you know, it's just that he, for whatever reason, I don't know what the reason is, picked Waterburger as the the reference point in the in the book as the a, a, you know the company that sponsored this tennis tournament. And I'm I may be getting all those details totally wrong, but I, that's what I read earlier about it because I was like, what's the deal with Waterburger? Why are there Waterburger mo- logos in this movie that takes place in Illinois? in Minneapolis. But yeah, so if you if you see it again, check out the near the end when they correspond and the note that Wallace sends him is actually, you know, you can see the faint the faint watermark of Waterburger on the paper. Huh. Wow, I can't I can't believe you guys didn't notice that. I like this movie even more. Yeah. <laughs> no, so anyway, um I I I don't know that I have the patience now to get through a David Foster Wallace book. I may may try to give it a shot. You know, may try to give Infinite Jest a shot.
1: I am. I'm definitely going to try it again. Do you? Uh, you know, they call it a, a huge hit. I wonder what a, what
0: a what a smash hit for a novel is, because I I don't recall ever hearing about him. You know, in the same breath as, you know, real giant hit writers of the '90s like John Grisham and Michael Crichton. And
1: yeah, I don't know because I mean the book won a ton of awards and uh, and and I I don't know if it was like a word of mouth thing, but I mean. Anyone who ever talks about this book is just—it's just like this is this is the work of a genius. Like it. I want to be clear. I'm not comparing the quality of
0: uh, David Foster Wallace. <laughs> right. To gonna... Something like John Grisham, or I'm just talking about success. Like Nicholas
1: Sparks, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, you know, I love some some Nick Sparks, but but no, I'm just talking about on the level of, of a success because they they talk about him being like a superstar, and I assume that just means like a superstar in literary circles.
1: Yeah, I think because, so. Anyway, um I really I really really like this movie. Um yeah. I mean, I and I I've actually been thinking about it since I've seen it and just kind of thinking about kind of the depth that it goes into and sort of the, it's it's an odd study, I, you know, I, I kind of try to go back to lines where you see, you know, Foster is a depressed person or you know yeah. a, a a guy who's you know, I guess insecure and and you know that like uh, like you see the hints of his like real addiction to television and and how that works and um you know I just I find it I found it a fascinating thing and I I, I want to go back and watch it just to catch all the nuances of the conversation because it's ha- it happens quickly I mean there's a lot of conversation happening at once
0: yeah I I, I really like the movie I really like the way that it's kind of non-traditionally structured except for one scene that I was like they they just had to put this in the movie I guess where uh Eisenberg calls, uh, of course, calls his editor, Ron oh, yeah. in, and he's like, "Ask him about the heroin. That's your job. You're a reporter." Like, yeah, yeah, we get it. But otherwise, <laughs> I think it's just one of those things about like every movie about a difficult interview has that.
1: Yeah, you're not his friend. You're his. You're a journalist.
0: That that reminds me. I read another review that compared this in that fashion to uh, almost famous in a way.
1: Oh yeah. I wonder yeah. just uh, there's a lot of really great small touches just even like every time Eisenberg puts the like turns the recorder on and you see you know David Foster Wallace or Jason Siegel just shrink a little bit every time and it's just little nuances like that that are so great. Yeah I loved his like weird addiction to candy and like yeah. he was a real junk
0: guy like he loved the junk like that was his real addiction was junk. Yeah. You know like just TV, like that. TV and candy and like and, how he
1: ate up that movie in the theater and.
0: Oh yeah, the Broken Arrow. Yeah, <laughs> how about that movie? Yeah, it's just it's just, I, I I'm not quite sure I could wrap my head all the way around everything that it was trying to say, and I think that's but in a good way. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Like in a way that makes you think about it later.
1: And I, I just to say this, I also think it's James Ponsoldt's best movie. What else has he directed? Oh, yeah. um, the The Spectacular Now. Spectacular Now, now oh, and, right. and Smash. Smash. Yeah
2: and go to sonnstab.net and you can read an interview with uh, James Ponsol that I did. And he talks actually talks about uh why he uh, cast uh Jason Segel. Um he, he goes all the way back to um Freaks and Geeks. He saw a lot of um sensitivity in that character. Well, You've and, seen have you seen Freaks and Geeks? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen I've seen all of them. I
0: love Freaks and Geeks great, and I think yeah. Jason Siegel's probably the best part of that show um when he's drumming.
1: Oh okay, god, that the, scene is so painful.
0: Yeah, what's that actor's name? He was also uh, wasn't he Locke's dad on Lost? Uh, I don't know what the guy's name god, is. I don't know.
1: It's
0: an old like he plays a great old asshole <laughs> every time that you see him. He was the one that like scammed Locke out of a kidney on on Lost.
1: Oh yeah, and
0: then pushed him out a window, Good and dimes. then 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 the show started to suck.
1: Anyway, grades, guys.
2: Um, I'm at a solid B on this one, so uh,
1: definitely check it out. I'm at a B plus. I would say it's one of the best five things I've seen this year.
0: Yeah, B plus for me too. I think uh, I I didn't really know what to expect, you know, knowing that that David Foster Wallace is kind of an acquired taste. Um, but yeah, I was really, really, really impressed with this movie. And so you, B plus.
1: And you can go into it without any prior knowledge of Infinite Jest or anything like that. I mean, I think it does a good job of filling in the gaps.
0: Yeah, and it, you know, it may make you want to pick it up. I mean, I don't know that uh, that it's a move. It's a book for everybody.
1: No, I mean it's it's for anyone who who is unaware of the book. It's like a th- one thousand seventy nine pages
0: with like three hundred pages of footnotes, footnotes or something.
1: Yeah. And you actually have to like turn to the back of the book, I believe, to get the footnotes. So, oh, kind of an exhausting really? read. It's probably better to read on a Kindle where you can just click on the footnote and it'll pop up.
0: Do you did you ever read any of Bill Simmons' books? Either
1: of them. Uh no, but I'm a big fan of his writing.
0: He does the footnote thing a lot, but they're in the
1: margins. Yeah, so. well, I love his footnote writing and on Grantland and how they, well, all, formerly on Grantland and how all of the writers had footnotes. I really like that style of writing.
0: Oh yeah, they they made a weird uh, pop up thing for it now.
1: Yeah, yeah. I
2: have to I have to read the book. it's it's in my uh, uh my bookshelf downstairs. I bought it ten years ago, but I haven't gotten to it.
0: Right before when you started
2: dating your wife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding guys I haven't bought it yeah I ha- we,
1: we everyone knows you don't read well duh
2: I don't read i i watch uh, I, I I watch documentaries instead anyway that's gonna do it for this week what's next week anything at all it's
1: another lean week here in the we have well, that's, what hap-
2: that's what happens in August
1: yeah we have we the that- movie no escape no escape and we have we are your friends <sighs> are you i don't no
0: escape fascinates me, in that you have two c- actors known for their comedic performances in this drama.
1: Yeah, well, you have yeah,
0: you have Owen Wilson, who's a faded star. Let's be honest. And you have someone like Lake Bell, who I think is someone who's never actually broken through, but has done some really really funny stuff. Like I
1: love her in in Wet Hot American Summer, first day of camp. Yeah, and actually, We Are Your Friends is even more interesting to me. Oh yeah, because it was directed and co-written by Max Joseph, who you may know as the guy who's not Neve on Catfish, the TV show. Oh, uh, I did not know that. Yeah, I didn't. So, what did he do? He wrote it or produced it? What? He wrote it and he co-wrote it and he directed it. Oh, is, he's directing it. I don't is, know. is um. Is Catfish still on the air? Yes, it is. You know the the thing about that show is that it's a it's actually a really good adaptation and extension of the movie. Uh, I like it. Um,
2: yeah, no, I, I, I don't. I'm not embarrassed to say that I like me some Catfish. Do you? I
0: I don't like Neve's uh, Neve's Tramp stamp bugs me a lot. <laughs> An awful lot.
1: <laughs> oh, and also it stars uh, Emily Ratajkowski, who you may know as the person who's referenced constantly in Entourage. <laughs> Yeah, a movie that uh, takes wait, place she the, before she, the, she got famous.
2: Is she the girl that comes out in Gone Girl?
1: Yeah, no. Yeah, you may know her from the Blurred Lines music video. Yeah, she was um,
0: the top one that was topless in like the uncut video. This movie is uh, an interesting. Has an interesting cast: Zac Efron, and then Wes Bentley, <laughs> uh, and Emily Ratajkowski. Oh, John Bernthal's in it.
1: It just sounds weird. Like, a, a, it's about a DJ, which... Ugh.
0: Yeah, I, I do not give a shit at all.
1: Like, a DJ meets another uh, DJ who takes him under his wing?
0: Wasn't that the plot line of the movie in uh, Entourage? Wasn't it, like, uh, the Jekyll and Hyde? Wasn't he a DJ? <laughs> yeah, he was. Like, a superhero DJ or something?
1: Yeah, this is a weird week. Yeah,
0: these these last two weeks have been strange. Like, what I mean, this is really the really the dog days of summer.
1: I don't remember it being this bad last year, but
0: again, I don't really remember what came out last year.
1: Is there any other summer movies that are due this year or are we done? Summer movies I think are done. I think that's it. Yeah. I mean the, the next summer ish movie
0: is of course Star Wars, as far as I as far as I know. But that's not till December, of course. Hmm. I don't know. That'd be an interesting thing to look up, and uh, maybe we can do a, a fall movie preview.
1: Ooh. We also never did our, our top five movies of the year or whatever so far. Dude,
0: I don't have any. I mean, I had to keep going. Like, the last – the two the two of the movies of this past two weeks was straight out of Compton and then into the tour for yeah. me.
1: Yeah, I've seen some other stuff that I would put in my list, but nothing that I think is going to make my list uh, at the end of the year. But Like, the – Seriously,
0: the the movie that I've liked the most that I've had the most fun at this year, uh, was uh, Jurassic World, and I know the two of you fucking hated. Ew. But and, and even after that was was Straight of Compton. I think it's, Straight out of Compton is a great movie. But I
2: think I, my one of the, I think one of the best things I've seen all year is still Cinderella. So there
0: you go. I never saw. I think saw I
1: think my favorite thing of this year is uh, is well, one of my favorites was Spring. Freaking love that movie. I liked it all right. All
0: right. yeah, both of you, I know, creamed over Ex Machina, too. Yeah. And I I didn't really. I like,
1: I like that movie, True Story, a lot, and I think that you know, that's a movie that's in the 40s on Rotten Tomatoes, and it's so unfair. Which one is that one? That's the one with Jonah Hill and James Franco. It's a drama.
2: Oh, yeah. Kind of like set up with a you know back and forth as well, a one-on-one yeah. uh, dialogue-heavy movie.
1: Yeah, it feels like a play.
2: You know, I have uh, U-verse, uh, okay,
0: Bragger. I got some ATT and I know you have Uverse too, so shut the fuck up. I know, I do. Uh, Rolling
1: in the dough, guys. I
0: know. Oh, how's it going without uh, cable, by the way, Kiko?
2: Um, I, I mean, I've been so busy, I really haven't. It hasn't affected me yet. Where, when it's going to affect me is... Spur season. When NBA. Right, so I'm going to have to either... What, what's that thing that you can buy to see? Is it NBA fan? League pass. League Pass? Yeah. You can't do that locally. That you,
1: they're blacked out. I got a sling box. So how do I watch the Spurs games then? You don't. You have to get cable.
0: I got a sling box.
1: Yeah, if if, you, if Jared gets a sling box and you have access to it and he's watching it at the same time, you could watch it, but you would have to stream it. Well, I mean, I've got I've got, a, I got three cable boxes, so.
2: Uh, okay, we'll talk later.
1: Yeah,
0: I know.
2: Why the
1: hell do you so have I can't, three cable So
2: I couldn't watch the Spurs game on my phone.
0: Why do I have three cable boxes? Because I have three TVs. What are you talking about? I have a house. That it's only me living in.
1: Yeah. So why do you have three rooms with three TVs and then with three cable boxes?
0: Because sometimes I like to be in the living room where more people can be. And sometimes. Sometimes
2: he likes drinking off, watching TV I know. in the bedroom.
0: And then it's he's got one in the bathroom. What do you have? We'll only have one TV in your house. What are you talking about? Well, no, but I live with other people. Well, yeah. I mean, I used to live with other
1: people too. Well, I just, I mean, I guess I don't. I, you know, if I lived by myself. I would only have cable box in one room, and I would just put like a like a a, a set top box in others just to watch movies and Netflix and stuff. Well, sometimes
0: you don't want to do that. Sometimes you want to like <laughs> like, good like to watch it. Yeah. Well, what I'd like to watch cable in bed, like yeah. So what? Yeah, that's what, the, live third his life room? the
2: way he wants to live. What's the uh, third
0: room? It was uh uh like the game roomish area.
2: I can see that. I can see that, like, like a, a guest room, man kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Oh, the guest a, room. Yeah, it's yeah.
0: not a fucking foreign concept here to have more than one cable box.
1: Well, I know, but for someone who lives alone, I thought I thought it was a little foreign, but that's okay. I, okay. I'm not judging you. You're allowed to do whatever you want. Obviously.
0: It's Look, I'm fucking rolling in the dough, Cody. <laughs> so I just got money to blow on a cable box. I, I'm paying for one that's not even plugged in right now.
1: Hell <laughs> so yeah! Much I don't
0: give a shit. <laughs>
1: You know, Jared, your modesty has always really impressed me.
0: No, uh, what I was trying to say was uh, they play a lot of uh, video on demand ads uh, during the breaks. You know, they, they, you know, I don't know if you know, cable companies fill in local breaks with their own commercials. And uh, every now and then I'll see something that really catches my eye. Uh, there's something with Jermaine uh, Clement that I just saw.
1: Oh, yeah, I've heard that's good.
0: Yeah, I, I really like to to check that out. So maybe one of these days we can pick up some of this VOD stuff. That's
1: I would like to do that.
0: Trickling out, um, cool. You know when the when these slow weeks come along like this,
1: let's put that on our to do list. Yeah, maybe let's I'm maybe, maybe right we'll do one now. of those. Maybe we'll do one of those this week or a couple. Yeah,
0: yeah that Jermaine Clement one looks really funny, um, and I we missed we skipped out on the uh, what we do in the shadow. Dude, have you seen I, that yet?
1: I loved it. Oh, it's so good, right? Yeah, like Did I like it's it's like it's not consistently funny, but when it's funny, it's the f- it's like
0: really, really funny. It's it's really solid. I love that style. I love the mockumentary style. Um,
1: yeah, when it hits, it's it's fantastic.
0: Yeah. Have you seen it,
2: Kiko? I haven't I haven't
1: seen. I haven't got a chance to see that now. It's
2: really good.
0: I, I'm, I think it's probably ended its VOD run by now. Right. I don't remember when I watched it.
1: Uh, Yeah. Pr- well, I don't know.
0: We could have a Jermaine Clement festival here.
1: I'm I'm sure it'll make its way on a Netflix at some point.
0: Yeah, and I think they're supposed to. I I thought I read they were doing a sequel.
1: Yeah, that's what I read today too. Uh, which
0: is which is really great. And uh, that guy, um, I don't remember his name. His other writing partner, that's not Brett.
1: Um, oh, uh, the guy who directed the movie, right?
0: Yeah, and he plays the the other guy.
1: He's got, he has a weird name, like like. Uh, um,
0: yeah, I think it's like a Maori name. Taiko, um,
1: what, what?
0: I don't what, know how to pronounce it. Either.
1: <laughs> yeah, t- yeah. That guy's they, great.
0: They're doing an HBO show together. I don't yeah. know what it's about.
1: But. Yeah, this ninety-six uh, percent on Rotten Tomatoes. What we do in the shadows. Yeah. So check that out if you get a chance. Yeah. Yes, uh, sir.
0: And next week we'll have a recap of our uh, Fight Club event at Alamo Draft House. That uh, by the time you listen to this will probably have already happened. Um, and we're working on something for September, right, Cody?
1: Yeah, September's in the works, and we, have, we even have some ideas for October. Oh, You mean for
2: Halloween? We
1: might be going a little, a little horror.
0: Hard? Horror. Oh, I thought we were going to play October Sky. <laughs> about the rockets.
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe we can do that. That's yeah. funny.
0: Uh, anyway, if you want to reach us, you can email us at podcast at You can call us at 920-FILM-210. That's 920-3456-210. Reach us on Twitter at Cinesnob.
1: On Facebook, Cinesnob Critic. Anything else you want to add? No. Uh, You know, if you like what we're doing, uh, a review on iTunes or Stitcher, wherever you're listening, is always good. The funnier the review, the better. We may even read it on our show because we, we like funny reviews that make us laugh. Yeah, if you bring the funny, we will read it. So,
0: there's that. No pressure, no pressure. Kiko, anything?
2: Uh, I like a, a little outro music. If uh, Cody oh, wouldn't mind. Oh,
0: will you play us out, C- Cody? I can play us out. What do you want to hear? Oh uh, man, I don't know. What are we? What do you? What, what's it? What's your favorite song to play?
1: Ah, uh, you know what? I don't even. I don't even know the answer to that question.
0: Well, what? What? Just the first thing that pops into your head.
1: Uh, not machine ever long i played that oh, many
2: times.
1: let's do it you know
2: glycerine dude what is your thing bush <laughs> <laughs> do i really have to answer that yeah
0: so we're we gonna do everlong
1: yeah if i have to tune up oh give me a second hold on uh, i gotta i
0: gotta get the sheet getting the sheet music out <laughs> he's putting on his he's putting on his guy liner <laughs> <laughs> all right. he's like all right, all right. Uh, thanks for listening. On that note, I'm Jared Kingery.
2: I'm Cody Viafania. And I'm Kiko Martinez. Woo! Oh, yeah! Tonight, <laughs> baby,
0: Tonight, mm-hmm. I throw my help in Out of the red, out of my head in your Everything I'll ever be this man forever
2: Anything I'll ever be this good again The only thing i ever ask of you You're off. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like, by at least two measures. Measures? Woo, yeah! (laughs) Panties dropped.
1: That'll be $300.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Cine Snob Podcast. To read reviews, interviews, and more, visit CineSnob.net. See you next week.